0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we continue in the series in the book of 1 Corinthians, a study of the first letter to Corinth. Today we're in chapter 10 and today's message comes with a warning. Paul does a throwback to the Old Testament with a reminder of the children of Israel the picture of Christ in that exodus But idolatry crept in And well, I'll let Pastor Sean Spell out the danger ahead org has this full message Sermon notes and series available for free But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported Radio ministry, then please do today There's a place to give at org. Today is part two of a message called Warning, Danger Ahead Pastor Sean is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio
1: Offering pleases god most is a fully surrendered heart how are you doing when it comes to the heart that's what paul wants us to meditate on this morning that's what i want us to think about a little bit now a few points about a surrendered heart number one a surrendered heart belongs completely to him a surrendered heart belongs completely to him to the lord Remember the most important commandment. Jesus is asked about it. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 30. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our Lord, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. A surrendered heart is a heart that says, God, I am yours. I am yours. Our salvation begins with the heart. Romans 10:10 10, 10 says, "For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved." See, I can intellectually and I think we need to be careful we don't get this get these out of order. I can intellectually look and understand, "Yes, I'm a sinner." There no doubt. I can show you evidence. I can intellectually think that I can intellectually go, "Man, I need a savior." And boy, it makes sense that a righteous God, I can understand the theology, a righteous God would need to deal with this sin. And in his amazing love, he sent Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for my sin because he was sinless. And so I can find redemption in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what I can do. And that's a wonderful thing. But if it doesn't make, and a pastor friend of mine used to make the same, if it doesn't make the 18-inch journey from your head, your brain, down to your heart. Because, see, there's a difference in being able to state the theology and going, yes, I understand that. That makes sense. And going, oh, my gosh, God, thank you. I, I so desperately need a Savior. God, my way has been hurting me and others. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is that broken heart over my own sin. See, that's when I know it's, that, it's moved from my head, the understanding of Jesus as Savior, to my heart where it's like he's my Savior. He's my Savior. And then I can confess with my mouth my belief and be saved. But it starts in this understanding of the heart. And if we try to bypass the heart, something is wrong. See, a surrendered heart is a heart that is completely his that's why we use the phrase you know when people talk about give your heart to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus. That's this is the this is what they're referring to. And the fact is you know one of the things in the book of Revelation the the church oh, my mind just went blank. I hate when this happens. Can we edit this out part out? Which is a church, which is the church lost their first love? Ephesus? Who's the church? No, no, not Laodicea? They're the ones who lost their first love? I'm not sure if we're right on that. Anyway, the church who lost their first love. They lost their first love. And and the point is, he says, they were still doing, they were still doing the right kind of things. They were, it wasn't like they were bad. It's just they had left their first love. And that's the part that scares me. That's the part I look at and I, I sit and I go, oh my gosh, God, how am I doing with my first love when I first discovered Jesus had given his life for me? When I first understood that, I got saved as a kid. I got saved when I was eight years old. And then what's interesting is I believed, I understood. I was a youth pastor ministering in Southern California And God brought the weight of my sin. I I wasn't living in sin. I was living faithful to my calling and my commitment. But as a child, I don't know if I even understood the weight. Somehow the weight of what I had been saved from hit me. And that simple thing changed my life in ministry. And it had been going great up to that point. But the weight of my sin, understanding... And there was something new in alive. lives like, God, thank you. And see, I felt almost anew, a first love, a fresh. I don't want to lose that. See, a surrendered heart is a heart that is completely his. That's what a surrendered heart is. Second Chronicles sixteen nine talking about King Asa, it says, For the eyes of the Lord, listen to this, they range or they search throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You've done a foolish thing, and from now on you'll be at war. See, Asa was the king who started out well, saw the power of God. He trusted in God, and then he started trusting in himself and his resources. And he experienced what we call heart shift, drift or heart shift. And that's what I want the Spirit to protect me from. That's what Paul is trying to perfect, protect the believers from. See, heart being surrendered completely his starts with the whole lordship issue, the ownership issue. It's that I'm his. When I become a follower of Jesus, my life is not my own anymore. I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to be filled with your spirit and I'm going to follow you. My life is now yours. And what happens is everything changes as I begin to focus on him. See, focus is a big issue in life. You ever struggle with focus? I mean, not you guys, I know, but I sometimes do. Other words we use think about vision, think about passion, think about how I spend my time, how I spend my money. See, the fact is, the phrase follow Jesus is such a great phrase because you can't follow where you don't focus. You can't follow where you don't focus. I can't, I can say I'm a Christian and not follow Jesus. I think it misses what the word means. Christian means like little Christ, and I'm imitator of Christ. But I can say I'm a Christian, I can say I'm a pastor, I can say I'm a church goer, I can say all those things and not follow Jesus. I can't follow Jesus, and I can't focus on him and not follow Jesus. Those two go together. I cannot follow where I will not focus. And this, so this is where it becomes really practical because there's so many different things in my life that I can focus on. I can focus on my goals. I can focus on my job. I can focus on my career. I can focus on my kids. I can focus on my family. And all those things are wonderful things. There's nothing wrong with those things. But the minute they move up to first place and I begin to focus on them and they become that central place in my heart, now everything begins to break down. And that's where you find people three five, seven years later, doing things that they go, I never imagined I would get caught up in that. How did I ever let that door open into my heart? How did I ever get involved with that person? How did I ever say yes to that shady deal? How did I ever get there? It wasn't overnight, but it was heart drift. See, the eyes of the Lord are searching for those whose heart is completely his. Not partially, not mostly. Completely his. See, the thing that pleases God most is a fully surrendered heart. God help us to have a fully surrendered heart. Second thing, a surrendered heart is regularly examined for the weeds of competing affections. Oh, now I'm just meddling. Now it's just getting... Because, yeah, I got all kinds of things that want to be a competing affection, that want to press in. A surrendered heart is regularly examined for the weeds of competing affections. John Calvin said this. He said, The human heart has so many crannies where vanity hides, so many holes where falsehood lurks, is so decked out with deceiving hypocrisy that it often dupes itself. That's a great quote. It often dupes itself you ever woken up one day and realized your heart had duped itself? You were doing something, you thought for one reason, and you kind of, in a moment of honest transparency, realized, ugh, I'm kind of doing it for another. Surrendered heart is regularly examined for the weeds of competing affections. You know, think of things like distractions. In the parable of the sower, Jesus, in Luke chapter uh, 8, verse 14, remember he tells about the different soils, some seed fell on the side of the road and birds took it. Some seed fell among on the shallow soil and it just sprung up quickly but then didn't have any roots, so it died. Some fell among thorns and it got choked out. Some fell in good soil and it multiplied and grew. The disciples said, what does it mean? Well, he talked about the different soils. One, the enemy comes and just takes it away. The other, there's never, no depth and it never really takes root. But that third one, that third one where he talks about the thorns he says that's where life's worries riches and pleasures come and they take the seed which had sprung up it was a good seed but they choke it out distractions so many distractions life's worries riches pleasures stuff that's why a surrendered heart has to be regularly examined for the weeds of competing affections lord what am i thinking about most these days Lord, what do I get excited about when I think about it? Where's my energy and vision focused on? How about temptation? The weeds of competing affections, temptations. Verse 13 is one of those verses uh, in 1 Corinthians 10 that, that we quote a lot, but we need to understand the power of this promise. Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. You may feel like there's something you're being tempted in, something you're having to face, something you're having to wrestle with that nobody has ever wrestled with. And Paul's saying, yeah, it's just not true. The world is big and history's been going a long time. There's no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And, and this is the key, this is the promise, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. On my own? No, because he goes on. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He will provide a way out. See, one of the things is when we're tempted, we don't look for the way out. (laughs) Temptation, when it's temptation, in the beginning feels good. That's why it's tempting. It's what it means. Ooh, that's tempting. That means it's something, I I, I like it. It's crazy to me how many times something that is temptation that we know the other side of that is not good. But all oh, the temptation. See, instead of going through that and just trying to muscle it up and figure it out and kind of, well, I'll do a little bit. I'll do it in moderation. I'll, instead of that, we ought to be going, Lord, where's the way of escape? And by the way, just saying the word Lord is the beginning of the way of escape. The minute you say that, like you're to being tempted to buy that, watch that, try that, say that, whatever it is, you're being tempted. The minute you stop kind of wrestling with your... No? Sorry. We watched Lord of the Rings again recently, the Fellowship of the Rings. It was great.
0: (laughs) And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Warning, Danger Ahead. It's in a series on unity called One, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, this series, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. Series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the spirit-filled life.
1: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit.
0: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Nazaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. dot And now the conclusion to the message: Warning, danger ahead. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. The minute you stop
1: being Gollum, okay, with your temptation, and you stop and say, Lord, where's that way of escape? You'll find, actually, he's the way of escape. He's the way of escape. And that is a powerful thing. That is a powerful thing when you stop and realize the minute you turn to him, the minute you say, God, I want to be free, I don't want to go there and you turn to him, it's like a new power, a new clarity. It's almost like you wake up, kind of like Gollum. You wake up from that, that state and go, oh my gosh. The thing that pleases God most is a fully surrendered heart. Psalm 51, verse 10. Remember we read the earlier parts then in verse ten, David prayed this prayer after he said, This isn't what you desire, God, this isn't what but what you do desire is a broken and contrite heart, a broken spirit. Psalm fifty one ten he said, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's a great prayer for like every day. What a cleansing prayer. What a focusing prayer. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Because I know the thing that pleases you most is a fully surrendered heart. Last thing. A surrendered heart fully embraces his heart for people. Now, turn back to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. We're going to read the latter part of the chapter. Paul had gone back to this discussion about meat sacrificed to idols, talked a little bit about that, but he really hones in, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 33, and you kind of get to see where he's going with this whole thing. You kind of see where he moved. And he says this phrase, he says, I have the right to do anything. Another translation says, all things are lawful. But you say, not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. See, that's where he's going with this thing. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And again, talks about the meat sacrificed to idols. Eat anything sold in the market without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Idols don't get anything because idols aren't real. That's what he's really saying. But, he says, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever's put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, in other words, to a, an idol, to a pagan god, he says, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. And look what he says. I'm not referring to the other person's conscience. Oh, I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? That's such a great phrase. If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of something I thank for God. But look at now, he brings the whole point home. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good look, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. See, there's more at stake than just our salvation. There's more at stake than just our well-being. There's more at stake than just our comfort. He says, I do all things for the glory of God. And what he's talking about is if you abstain because someone else has said, this is meat sacrificed to idol and it's a test for you and it's about them. He says, then don't. Then just, I'll pass. Thank you. And he says, not because there's anything wrong with that. But it's not about me. It's about them it's about them. And he says, do everything for the glory of God. And then he goes on and he says, I'll do whatever it takes that some may come to salvation. That's the whole thing. It all comes back. First God in his heart, then this mission. This mission of reaching people. We talk about the great commandment, love God with everything you got, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations. See, if you have God's heart, a surrendered heart fully to him, is always going to come back to this place. Yes, it's going to be holy in worship. Yes, it's going to be righteous in following Jesus. But it's also going to become evangelistic in this reaching of people who aren't here yet. It's never going to be satisfied. We're pure. We're doing good. Whole world, they can go to hell. You see, that's actually what happens if we die apart from him. And you can't have a heart that is fully surrendered to him without him coming and saying, hey, wait a minute, who's around you who needs to know that I love them, that I gave my life for them, that I am for them? I don't want to take from them. Anything I want to take from them is stuff that's killing them. I want to give to them what they were created for. I want to give them their destiny. I want them to experience all they were created for because I'm their father. I love them that's the gospel a surrendered heart will always come back around to a life of mission remember the first commandment was love God with everything you got the second was Jesus said Mark twelve thirty one, love your neighbor as yourself there's no commandment greater than these See, I, I want to say to you, and you might be like, well, God, Sean, that's great for you. You called to the ministry and all. That's fine. Whatever. Just know wherever you are, wherever you go, wherever you work, wherever you live, God is working there. Just join him. Just join him. You're like, you don't know where I work. God ain't anywhere around that place. If there are people there, God's working. If, if you're there, God's working. <laughs> Wherever you go, wherever you work, wherever you live, whatever you do, God is working there. It really, the, a missional life is simply saying, God, what are you doing here? I want to join. And all of a sudden you're talking to someone and you just begin encouraging them. And it might be as simple as encouraging them and some, something to wrestle with at work. And just encouraging them. Something comes up that's a really big issue. Well, I, I, can I pray for you? I really believe in a God who answers prayer and I've seen him do some cool things. Can I pray for you. And if they say no, can, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. What you? <laughs> the point is, nobody can stop you, but I've got to tell you, I've never had anybody really say no. I've never had anybody really say no. What a powerful thing just to be able to say I believe in a God who really does miraculous, powerful things in people's lives. And so I want to pray for you. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to know every scripture. It's okay if you forget which church in Ephesus was the one that left the first love for a minute. All you got to know is that Jesus loves you, Jesus loves them, and you know how to pray for them, invite them, come and see, spend time with them. Just Start being hands and feet of Jesus in their life. Start reflecting his heart, his heart to them. And watch and see what the Spirit of God does. Being on mission is just saying, God, I know you're working. I want to get involved in what you're doing. It's a powerful thing. The problem is distractions. See, the thing that pleases God most is a fully surrendered Heart. and it's hard to keep your heart focused. I did something at the beginning of this year, 2020. Don't blame me for 2020 because I did this, right? But let me tell you, I just this, this issue of distraction, because as a pastor, you're like, well, you got one job, man, you know? You speak a few minutes on Sunday morning and then you gotta do, go do whatever you want. That's great. There's so many different things that pull on me and our team and on us that just, what's the main thing that I need to do, God, every day? And he, just in prayer, he kind of put three words in my heart. And I've written them in the calendar at the beginning of the week. Purpose, meaning his purpose. How's this calendar look compared to his purpose for my life? My unique purpose. Prayer, God, am I bringing all this up to you? And the third is People. Alliterated as you would expect by a pastor, right? Purpose, prayer, and people. Who am I investing in? Who am I encouraging? Who am I helping to love and know him more? But let me just tell you something. That's not easy. It's easy to write those things down. It's easy to look at them at the beginning of your week when you're ordering your week. It's really hard to keep them central because there's other P words that come up words like problems, words like pressure, words like pandemic, payroll, just stuff of life. There's all kinds of other things that come up and try to pull me away. And I got to tell you, I got an ADD thing going and it's hard. He focuses about saying, God, I want to be about what you're about. I want to be about who you are. And the thing that pleases him most is a fully surrendered heart.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.